Hi, this is Mike McNamara, and you're listening to All Marine Radio on your home for it, the one and only All Warrior Radio Network. my nephew, but that's what I call him, who's in the 15th Mew, they show up off the coast of California. So my cousin, Patty, who's like a sister to me, she flies down. So I pick Patty up at the airport, bring her back here. I found out from friends of mine what time the lieutenant's going to be back at Camp Horno. And so my cousin gets here and we get to my house. She goes, Michael, I, he told me they might be early. And I'm thinking, nobody's ever early. Okay. But far be it for me to tell that to somebody's mom, let alone my cousin. Right. So I don't, I say, let me grab my shoes and my shit and we'll go. And we do. So we head down to Camp Pendleton. Um, you know, get on base, go over to uh, Camp Horno at the northern end of Camp Pendleton. And normally for days like this, there's signs that say special event here, blah, 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 blah. <clears throat> no signs, which uh, I was thinking about that. I'm like, hmm, why is that? And I don't know why. Is there an operational security reason for that? So anyway, I get there, and now I see guys with yellow, you know, orange and, you know, yellow vest on. So I stopped, rolled down the window, and I said, hey, where's the 1-4 event? Is it over on the parade deck? And they said, yes, sir. And I said, all right. So I look over, and I don't see too many people, which is odd, because normally when you have about, I don't know, a 1,000 or so Marines coming home, 
uh, you have a few thousand people there, parents, right, wives, kids, girlfriends, all kinds of people. So anyway, I don't see that. And then my cousin says, hey, Michael, she says uh, they're delayed. Okay. Well, that's not atypical. So we'll go find something to do. So I'm I'm giving my cousin uh, the nickel tour, right? And we go to the PX. I need to buy some flip-flops. And I was going to go to the Rainbow factory where Rainbow flip-flops are made in San Clemente. But I know they, buy them on, they sell them on base. So I'm like, I'll just go there. And I need to replace my flags. The annual flag replacing. That's right. So they don't have the size flag I want. Nice. And um, But I do, they do have the flip-flops. So I get the flip-flops. And um, we get another text message. Yeah, we're just on hold. Now, I show my cousin, that's his ship right there. She's like, what? And I'm like, that's your baby's ship right there. Now, know this. Through the wonders of the United States Navy and COVID and their extraordinary precautions after what happened on the Roosevelt, this Mew has been at sea for, I want to say, 10 of the last 12 months. So on their deployment, they shoved their last two at-sea periods together because when, if you think back to a year ago, one of the things the Navy forced the Marine Corps to do was you had to go into quarantine for three weeks, 21 days, before you could get on the ship. So they were looking at a scenario that looked something like this. If we do our at our last at-sea period, we're going to have to be in quarantine for three weeks, then go do it, then come home, then go on leave, then come back, then go into quarantine for three more weeks. And it's like, we can't sit on our ass for six weeks. So what they did was they sent everybody home on pre-deployment leave. They came back, they went into quarantine, and they shoved the last two at-sea periods in front of the deployment. Yeah. So... That creates about a nine-month deployment, and so, so then they come, then they come home, right? You can only imagine. They come home, they pack all their shit, they're all fired up, gonna go home tonight, yeah, with all the rights and benefits they're into pertaining for conquering heroes, and they leave their room and where they live, and they're like, yeah, fuck this. Then they go down to the well deck, and they're hanging out. Everybody's excited. And then it's like, yeah, there's going to be a delay. What? All right, whatever. Then it's like, yeah. And here, so ultimately talked to my nephew, and he's like, yeah, they're saying the sea states are too heavy. And so we go down. We have lunch. So now I take my cousin, and we go down to uh, San Clemente, and we put our name in to have lunch at my favorite restaurant, which is Nick's in San Clemente. And Patty's never been there, so I know she's going to enjoy it. And so we do that. We're walking around San Clemente. San Clemente has an old-time candy store. Now, when I say old-time, I don't mean C's candy. I mean it has candy from when we were kids. So I know my cousin will get a kick out of that. Colleen loves the place, right? So we go there. And we're hanging, it's called Rocket Fizz or something like that. It's on Del Mar Avenue in San Clemente, if you're ever there. And so we're walking around San Clemente, right, one of my favorite cities in the world. 
and um, and we're having a good time. Go to a bakery and buy some awesome cupcakes, and then and then our table's ready, and uh, we go have this great lunch. Let me just tell you: if you ever go to Nick's and you go to lunch, have the ribeye steak sandwich. Yeah, I have to tell you something. Unbelievable. That's right. Unbelievable. And um, so it's, it, I think it's Swiss cheese ribeye on sourdough bread grilled with some kind of sauce mixed in with some red onion. Yeah, as I said, amazing. So Patty and I, are doing that and uh and then we finish lunch and I take her down to the pier. So we go down to the pier and uh and it's kind of a cloudy day, but it's been that way here the last couple weeks and then in the afternoon it burns off. So I said, Well, you know, I said, Patty I said, I, God only knows what'll happen today. The sea states don't look that bad. Um, but there is some wind and there is some clouds. Normally this stuff burns away. So we go down the pier and I point out the ship. That's Tim. She's like, are you kidding me? I said, no. I said, that's your baby out there. And, um, so, uh, she's like, Michael, he better get off that ship. And I'm like, I'm like, I don't know, Patty, if they've gone this far without doing it. And I said, here's what I don't understand. I mean, if this was the initial plan, I got it. Okay. But um, once uh, the plan gets compromised, why don't we just drive the son of a bitches down to San Diego, send the buses down there, and it's going to be a little bit late, but they'll get off the ship. So I called Jeff Kenny. Say, hey, Mew Man, why wouldn't they do this? He goes, well, that's normally what what they do. They just pull into San Diego. And he said, I don't know. Maybe it's a COVID thing. I'm like, oh, my God. So we didn't get another text. Yeah, it doesn't look like we're going to get off today. And now she, So I'm like, hey, screw that. We'll go to my house. Colleen's there. I'll call uh, Mike's wife, Susan, who's good friends with my cousin, Patty. And Susan will come over and hang out, and then we'll do nothing. And watch the ball game and whatnot. So we came back to my house, and uh, ultimately my nephew calls. We're talking. I said, how much you guys hate in life? He goes, oh, my God. <laughs> he said, we packed all our shit. You know, you can see, we could see Pendleton. Pendleton's like 500 yards away from the ship. And they won't come get us. And I said, so what were they coming in? LCUs? The sea state's too heavy for them? He's like, yeah. He said, LCUs. He said, OCACs. I said, come on. I said, somebody doesn't like you guys. He said, yeah, no kidding. I said, well, too bad. I said, you said goodbye to your room, didn't you? And he starts laughing. He goes, we all did. Now we're going back. I said, sucks to be you, man. So anyway, um... So then, my so my cousin, 
She's a grandma. She's supposed to babysit today, so she's going to fly back to Sacramento last night. Take her to the airport, and she's like one of those people that has to be there. Like an hour is not enough, right? An hour is not enough. So she's like, "Okay, Michael, what time should I go?" I said, "Patty, the airport's five minutes away." Okay, you need to be there an hour before. The line isn't long. This is John Wayne Airport, okay? And and she's like, oh, I said, oh, you're that person, Grandma? <laughs> she's like, don't give me shit. And I'm like, all right. I said, but I'm not going an hour and a half early, okay? And so she fine. So we finally go. We drop her off. Colleen and I come home. Nine ten, I get a, I get a phone call. It's her. Now her flight left at eight fifty. I'm like, yeah, Patty's not calling from the phone. That's from the plane. That's for sure. Hello, Michael. I'm like, what? My flight got canceled. So I say, what do you want me to do? <laughs> She's like, oh. I said, I said, all right, I'll be over there in five minutes. She's like, no, I got I've got to uh, rebook the reservation, or I'll lose it. I'm like, what is that? And I, that can't be true. Their plane goes down for some reason, and if you don't rebook the ticket right away, you lose your seat. Doesn't make sense to me. But anyway, I said, "All right, let me know." So, um, so it all works out. She said, "Do you think I should go home tomorrow night or Saturday?" I said, "Hello, Saturday. Don't you want to see your baby?" She's like, "I do." She said, well, this is going to work out, I think, all for the good. I said, you think? You big goof? So after I get done with the show today, here this morning, go down and uh, and uh, hopefully do what we didn't do yesterday. So anyway, nonetheless, it will be a good time. I know that. I love hanging out in San Clemente. So uh, and my, my cousin, um, you know, I talk about my cousin Tom. Uh, you know, we've been best friends since we were little guys. And... Patty is Tom's older sister, and she's a year ahead of me in school. I think she's about, she was born, if I'm not mistaken, in August, and I was born in December. So we kind of straddle different school years. She went to school that year. I went to school the following year. But we've always been great friends, and she's like a sister to me. And so, uh, so, so again, should be an exciting day here. Uh, in Southern California, as uh, and then uh, always exciting to see the another lieutenant in our family, and so uh, so yeah, looking forward uh, looking forward to today. I had a conversation with somebody in our in my seminar group on Wednesday night that I thought I'd share with you because um, I'm uh, you know I have a schedule and. It embraces a number of different things, and I've had to learn in my life to be organized. Uh, really started when I was on the city council in Grand Forks, North Dakota. I was doing a radio show. I was the operations manager of five radio stations, and I was coaching high school baseball. And it did not leave a lot of time for things to get screwed up. So I'm a huge fan of Microsoft Outlook, that scheduling. I've used Google uh, schedule and I have a app that links the two of them. So, yeah, I say the word, I say the G word, and all of a sudden my tablet lights up. What is, yeah, thank God it's not listening, right? So, anyway, 
Um, so somebody said, hey, I, I noticed you were using a tablet. I, for years, have used a binder because I like it. I like engineer paper. I think you've heard probably heard me say this, but um, I have my own little tracking system relative to tasks, and uh, I, I and I, it, this goes back a, a few decades. When I make a list of tasks for the day, I draw a little box next to it, and then if I color it in diagonally, that means I've done my share. I'm waiting for somebody else. If I color it in three quarters, it means I've done my th- part, they've done their part, and I'm waiting for it to be confirmed, right? So I, I have this little system that I've used for, for years. So somebody saw me online doing, taking notes and stuff. But recently, and so the way I used to do it was I would take my, um, I, ha- I have a binder, and I print out the days of the week. And I punch holes in them. I take uh, engineer paper that I buy, special kind too, because it has three rectangular blocks across the top. And I put the the date, the day of the week, and my location wherever I am. Am I at Pearl Harbor? Am I in Costa Mesa? Am I, you know, in Yuma, Arizona? So I put that. And then I list at the top is always my tasks. Uh, below that is topics for the show of the day, topics of the day for the show. And then below that um, is whatever else I m- – notes and whatever else. Now, so I, it, it occurs to me, and I don't know what made me think of this, but it occurred to me, like I have a tablet that I use, and I love the writing pen on it. And I bought it specifically after I get done speaking and I'm flying home. I have these thoughts in my head. And I like to write, not type. I don't know why, but I like to write. And I like to kind of draw in it and all this other stuff. So anyway, I bought the tablet. So when, I, when I'm when i flying home, to put a laptop in front of you on most in airline seats, pretty cramped quarters. So I bought this tablet that fits nicely. and uh, And I have a Logitech keyboard. And the keyboard has a little trough on the northern, so on the far side of the keyboard, so where you put your fingers. So on the far side of the keyboard, above your fingers, there's a trough. You could put your cell phone in there. You could put a tablet in there. Then you you Bluetooth the link to it. And so it's a very, you know, compact, you know, way to have your computer in front of you. So it occurs to me that you know if you tried to do this in blue in in Microsoft OneNote they have engineer paper i know cuz i've messed with it um on their pages and then it would sync all this stuff to your phone your desktop and your tablet and i went hmm and then all you do is you just take your tablet everywhere you go and you have access to all your stuff all my notes and everything. And I went, whoa, 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 whoa. So I don't know, probably close to a month ago, I started that. And I have to tell you, this is probably a blinding flash of the obvious for most, but it wasn't for me. Um, I really like it. Yeah. Yeah. And now I've even taken to, um, I take a screenshot So in PowerPoint, another Microsoft product, so PowerPoint, which I've used extensively in my life, 
if you go to the insert menu and you go to screenshot and you click the tab arrow, there's a thing called screen clipping. You can then, if you click on that, then it highlights your screen, right? I have three of them sitting in front of me right now, three monitors, right? On one of the monitors is my Microsoft Outlook program. So then you just go over and you kind of, you trace the outline of what you want to capture and insert. And so I do that. And that inserts it into PowerPoint. I then cut it out of PowerPoint and I flip it into OneNote. And so then on that page of my um, of my things to do and whatnot is now my little, just a little cut out of the daily calendar. I, I don't. I mean, absolutely brilliant on my part. I have to, I have to tell you that. I'm not going to lie to you. Straight up pff, brilliant. So somebody asked me about that. Hey, you know, what do you use? What do you like? Because, you know, my, it's a struggle for me to organize my stuff. And, um, yeah, that's, that's, how I, that's how I do it. And I have to tell you, I'm, like, happy about it. Yeah, it pulls all that stuff together. And, and then I have access to it on everything. So, got to tell you, I'm a fan. So, in case you're looking for productivity increases. Um, one other thing I want to talk about this morning is the whole, what's going on in Israel. I was reading about that yesterday when I was sitting around waiting. And Hamas has an extensive tunnel system in Gaza. And the Israelis have done extensive intelligence to find the tunnel system. And it looks like they ran an operation. And did you remember a week ago when you saw reports that said Israel is going to invade the Gaza? That was a ruse that they deliberately put out in the media. They put out all the messaging traffic, had people report, armored units, you know, to marshalling areas and all that kind of stuff. And when Hamas saw that and saw the Israelis massing and getting ready to come across the border, what they thought, um, they sent their guys into the tunnels to get ready. And then the Israelis hammered the tunnels. Yeah. Now, I will tell you this. Um, this whole little event is because <clears throat> caused by the Biden administration cozying up to Iran. And so now we have more violence against Israel. and it's And so to me, you know, the president was crowing about, you know, his subtle diplomacy with, you know, the Israelis. To me, what the Israelis are doing are taking a tactical pause <laughs> to reposition ammunition and assets and whatever. Right. Or for whatever reason, maybe it's a diplomatic thing so they can so show it's really not us. And I would tell you at the slightest provocation, you're going to see more of it. Yeah. So they're working down their, their target list. And they develop this every day because they have cameras, they have human, human, you know, human intelligence, um, people in, uh, in, in all these different organizations that that um, that oppose them. And so, and then, in my opinion, and the reason you'll see it happen or escalate again is they're gonna t- they want they want to show the American people, that they're not so much fans of Joe Biden. Yeah. And him crowing about, you know, kind of putting Israel, 
you know, in its place. Um, yeah. Yeah, him crowing about that, to me, it's like, all right, we'll let it gain a little traction for him. And then when we get back after it, you know, that'll be the message that he needs. That, oh, maybe not. Because, again, when you think about it, Trump administration, for all his personal flaws as a human being, which are legendary, one of the things they got right was, right, was uniting the Arab world with Israel against Iran, certainly in America's interest. And now we're going to somehow or other reopen that deal and and whatnot and take our boot off their neck. And I don't I don't believe that's that's good. That's in America's long long term best interest one bit. So interesting, interesting to watch what's going on over there. So um, today, Greg Lotus going to join me. Uh, the chef's got a doctor's appointment, so Greg's going to join me, and uh, we're going to talk uh, a little bit about. Uh, um, we both have kids graduating from high school. There's a thing in North Dakota where you have this big reception at your house. Yeah. Yeah, big reception at the house. And uh, I've never seen it be a big thing anyplace else. But it is there. So anyway, um, that's going to happen. Uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit. And then uh, and then there's some kind of interesting things in sports that have happened. Unwritten rules of sports. Now, Greg, professional athlete, I grew up in my dad involved in it and got to hang out with professional athletes, you know, into my twenties and listen to them and, and whatnot. So we will, uh, we'll talk about that. Um, we'll talk about that. And I think you'll enjoy an interesting conversation. So without further ado, it is Friday. Whitney Houston makes uh, the day official. Good morning to everybody.
And this is dedicated to all the parents for of uh, the spouses and the families of Marines and sailors of uh, the 15th Mew, um, who were all excited yesterday to see their, you know, Marine or sailor, and then had to spend the night without them. <laughs> uh, it sucks. So uh, hopefully today works out better for all of you. Uh, hang in there. Um, this is dedicated to you guys. betraying your whole life if you don't say what you think and you don't say it honestly and bluntly what keeps you awake at night nothing i keep other people awake at night for this campus had prepared him well <clears throat> i'm very confident that thank you very much <clears throat> if this was vodka it'd be a lot better speech <clears throat> But I'm not supposed to glamorize alcohol anymore. So, young folks, you ignore what I just said. We just have to execute. And we are executing every day. And Sergeant Major and I are very proud of what you do. Doesn't mean we can't get better. We don't, we don't want to make a mistake to learn. We don't want to lose to learn. We cannot lose if we have to go fight. We got to do what these Marines did here 75 years ago. Persevere against difficult challenging conditions and odds and win. You gotta win. Time to check the weather in Marineland. Currently in uh, Quantico, it's sunny in 73. Down the coast at Marine Corps Base, Camp Lejeune, it is sunny in 76. 29 Palms, gotten cooler. Sunny in 59. Camp Pendleton is partly sunny in 60. 
Camp H.M. Smith in Hawaii is dark, cloudy, and 69. Okinawa, dark, cloudy, and 80. And Darwin, clear, dark, and 76. In Norway, as in Oslo, it is partly sunny and 55. That is a, whoa, here in the Costa Mesa Newport Beach area. Uh oh. <laughs> it's not good. Way to start today. Uh, it is sunny in 62, but there's a gale warning in effect from Friday at noon until Friday at 9 p.m. Issued by Los Angeles National Weather Service. So from Santa Barbara to Santa, Santa Catalina Island, small craft advisory remains in effect. So today will be interesting. Yeah, why not drive down to 32nd Street? And uh, not exactly sure there, sports fans. Not exactly, sir. So, uh, yeah. Yikes. Who knew? Who knew? All right. That is a uh, that is a look at your weather. The uh, I'll do a couple news headlines because I haven't done any any news this week. Yeah, to speak of. And I should do that. Actually, I'm actually curious about it. So I'll just do top headlines. Stars and stripes where I normally start. being slow allies leaving rapidly (laughs) as NATO ends Afghanistan training mission stand by for heavy seas if you're an Afghan right So that about it in Stars and Stripes. Top story in the Wall Street Journal today is fragile Israeli-Hamas ceasefire holds despite Jerusalem clashes. Now, for those of you who aren't familiar with the Islamic world, Friday is the day they go to the mosque. So normally, after the mosque, right, they get pretty fired up, at least they did in Iraq, and, like, make sure you have your helmet on tight because, right, it is it is going to uh, get interesting Friday starting about midday. The Wall Street Journal has a piece on their editorial page that says, after the Israeli ceasefire, subheadline, Islamic, Islamist radicals saw how democratic support for Israel has eroded. Okay. So, um, I'll read you the first part and then we'll get to the conclusion. As we went to press, it looked like Israel and Hamas would put down their arms for now. The truce comes less than two weeks after the terrorist group commenced its 4,000 rocket barrage on Israeli civilians the most intense since it took over the Gaza Strip in 2007. 
So think about that. As an act of, of, of aggression, shoot 4,000 rockets into a country. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Why would they do that? And again, I think that any impartial observer would tell you that they're emboldened by the Biden administration backing away from Israel. The ceasefire has no strings attached, so neither Hamas nor Israel won a strategic victory. Israel says Hamas suffered the destruction of its tunnel network and the death of many military leaders. The group may lack the capacity to launch another major war on Israel, which it wants to annihilate for some time. Israel's casualties were more limited because of its Iron Dome anti-missile technology. Yet Hamas inflicted a blow to Israeli democracy by showing that it could foment ethnic violence among Arab and Jewish Israelis, both of whom rioted during the conflict. That's a tragedy, especially after Arab parties had advanced in recent years within Israel's democracy. Meanwhile, Hamas, Hezbollah, and Iran saw that democratic support for Israel in the U.S. has declined. We credited President Biden this week with not trying to dictate Israel's security decisions, but he soon bent rhetorically to his party's left, saying Wednesday he, quote, expected a significant de-escalation today. The progressives who are increasingly driving democratic social and economic policy want to drive Mideast policy as well. Representative Rashida Tlaib, who President Biden praised on a Michigan trip this week, accused fellow Democrats of taking orders from Netanyahu. Senator Bernie Sanders is trying to block a U.S. arms sale to Israel. Wavering American support could increase the risk of military clashes as regional actors perceive the Jewish state is militarily constrained when attacked. Israeli leaders have at least partly priced in the erosion of bipartisan backing in the U.S. This could lead it to lean more on China or Russia, which would not be good for the U.S. or Middle East peace. The the vaunted two-state solution was out of reach before this conflict, and communal violence in Israel made it even more so. The first goal for the U.S. should be to support its allies and contain the region's radicals to reduce the chance of a major war. So that from the Wall Street Journal today. The um, next, USNI News. Congressional Budget Office primer on the U.S. military force structure. Whoa. Uh, Navy issues a 500 and $54 million contract modification for a second Navy frigate. Next, NATO Maritime Commander. Allies are coming up with modern littoral warfare concepts, and NATO needs to exercise them. Uh Uh-oh, modern littoral. Anything else I I would recommend to you? Nothing. Uh, Marine Corps Times, see what headlines they have, and then we'll do this top stories in early bird. Uh, we talked about it yesterday, but uh, article by Phil, I think his name's, last name's Ashley, in Marine Corps Times, why the Corps' future may sideline its ground pounders. 
Is this the twilight of Marine infantry? Um, the Iwo Jima Amphibious Ready Group joins up with a British carrier ahead of its maiden deployment. So the Royal Navy's Queen Elizabeth aircraft carrier with Marine F-35s embarked recently began its uh, maiden operational deployment. So, uh, yeah. So the uh, Iwo Jima Amphibious Ready Group, ARG as it's known, um, you know, rendezvoused with them. Next. U.S. and Russia, our secretaries of state met recently, right? We're at odds over military activity in the Arctic. So we got that going for us. The uh, top five stories in early bird. <clears throat> you want to ditch your mask? Mask? Get vaxxed, says the Pentagon. Now, here's a question. So, <clears throat> how do you enforce that? I got it. How do you enforce it? Um, and in this country, right, somebody's got to have probable cause to, you know, to impose on your freedom. Do we have vaccination paper demands? Show me your papers. We have, are we there now? The future of special operation forces uh, is a sex story. So a uh, interview with General Clark. Number three, U.S.-Russia at odds over the Arctic. Big shocker. Number four, Taliban may grab U.S. military equipment as U.S. troops leave Afghanistan. They won't grab it. It will be sold to them. So whoever has it is already in negotiations to turn it over to them. But know this. I mean, it will last for a relatively short period of time. Then it will be broken and it will become just Hulk sitting in the rusting someplace. Number five, Senate rejects defense spending parity amendment. The Senate on Thursday sank a Republican proposal meant to boost defense spending by binding Congress to equal increases to defense, you know, as in non-defense spending. So they would look to link those two things. Non-defense spending, in case you haven't noticed, has increased incredibly under President Biden. And uh, so Senate Republicans tried to make sure defense was not left out, and uh, that was defeated. That's a quick look, an abbreviated look at the uh, at the weather today. So uh, Greg Lotus is going to join me next here on a Friday. The chef sends his regrets, uh, wishes he could be here, but he can't. So know that. And uh, but he said I will be back next week. He had a doctor's appointment. The Bionic Man. Yeah, the Bionic Man had a doctor's appointment. So, uh, so, but he wanted to be here. He wanted everybody to know that. So, um, with that said, Greg Lotus joins me here on a Friday edition of All Marine Radio, right here on your home for it, the one and only All Warrior Radio Network. Hi, this is Mike McNamara, and you're listening to All Marine Radio 
on your home for it, the one and only All Warrior Radio Network. On this Friday, joining me, you can tell by the music, is uh, Greg Lotus. Greg, uh, how are you? What's going on? I'm doing well. A little uh, rainy day in the Midwest here today. Really? Give us an update on uh, on Lawson's baseball. Greg is going to be the future father of a Major League Baseball player. Uh, no. The Law Dog is uh, the Bambino of North Dakota. How is the Bambino? How is the Bambino? Is he crushing it as he normally does? No, he's doing well. Yeah, he's hitting in the three or four hole, depending on uh, on uh, who's who's hot in front of him or whatever. But uh, no, he's doing well. And they have their last tournament uh, coming up this weekend. The games start today in Fargo. Uh, so, and then I have my hold daughters. on. Now, now, hold, hold on. He's uh, Lawson's. What year? Freshman? Yeah, he's a freshman. Yeah. What what and what teams you playing on? He's on J V. Got it. Domination. Yeah. yeah. And uh they play uh Friday, Saturday, but we'll only be able to go to the Friday games because Olivia is having her graduation party on Saturday from oh, three to six. That's a big deal. Have you remodeled your whole house for that? No, not inside, but the garage is uh, decorated, and uh, she's having a food truck and stuff. But she's a little sour uh, because of the forecast. It's supposed to maybe possibly thunder showers on Saturday. So uh, we'll see what happens. Fingers crossed. The um, So I'd never seen this, but um, I don't know if it was like this in Thunder Bay, but in Sacramento it was not. And that was this um, uh, in in Grand Forks, where I used to live, where Greg lives. Uh, when your kid graduates from high school, you have a big—it's uh, kind of a reception, a party, a graduation party, open house, yeah. open house, and people—I mean, they like they remodel their houses and stuff like that. They, do, I mean, it's a big deal. And I was like, yeah. "What's going on?" So. You already have a, you already have a mansion, right? I mean, you would you describe your home as a mansion? No, I mean I got you know one bedroom, one bath um, place, <laughs> but but uh, we didn't have we didn't have any parties for graduation in Thunder Bay. Zero. None. So there was no, there was not. Like I mean, if you went out to dinner with your family after or whatever, but. I didn't even attend my graduation. I went fishing. So come on, your parents allowed yeah. you to go fishing? Well, I don't know if they really knew that I was going to go fishing, but um, me and the boys thought, you know, why, why sit there for three hours listening to me names being called and stuff like that? I, I knew I, they couldn't take away my diploma, so <laughs> you know, why not? But uh, yeah, they make a huge deal about it here, right? Uh, and there's hundreds of people that show up with a card. And the worst part about it as a parent of a senior is like, we got to invite to like 50 grad parties. And depending on the severity of friendship between you 
or your daughter and the rest of the people. Uh, it's you give denominations accordingly. So you have to get the checkbook out and service all that. Oh God, yes. Whoa. Oh God. Yes. Wow. So it's yeah. It's a how do you how do you decide? I mean, that's a lot of cash that you have to unload. Uh, that's uh, not oh, an easy. Yeah. yeah, it's over. Like uh, last year was like around fifteen hundred bucks. Why don't you just start declining invitation? That's not really an option when they send it to you. It's not a RSVP type of deal. So um, it's, it's assumed. It, yeah. That's a wow. That's and tough. what I love. What I love is like Heather's relatives that. Like her third cousin has kids, and they'll send you uh, a grad invite from like Dickinson, North Dakota, which is a six-hour drive from here, and you still got to slip them uh, some money. You know, it's like as if I'm ever going to come, nor, nor do I even know you. I've never heard of you before, uh, but it's a it's a good return on your investment if you think about it. You put a fifty-five cent stamp on there and Are throw it out me? and. Yeah, and get money in return. It's like Bitcoin. <laughs> it's like exactly. It's like playing slots that are already designed yeah. to win. Yeah, that's amazing. That's just so yeah. Every, it's funny how the kids here, um, each day or whatever, um, they look at where the parties are and then what type of food they're serving, you know, because the boys, they can eat. So they're like, okay, if this party's from like two to five, we could go there first, get a little bit, but there's a three to six somewhere else that's serving like Qdoba or Buffalo Wild Wings or something. So we got to go there right away to get the fresh stuff. And they go from party to party knowing that their mom and dad are going to get out the checkbook and write the check, but they pig out uh, on the appetizers and dessert and everything else. So it's it's good for them. You don't have to make supper for the week for grad- graduation parties, but I think this Sunday we have like four, you know, in one day. And I don't, I, my wife likes to go to them. I don't. I'll, I'll go to a select uh, few people that I know really well i'll go to their kids and but i don't spend much time at the at the parties too many people yeah that's uh see i never got invited to that many you know it's uh i was not uh i was not well accepted in north dakota because you're like sandpaper you know you rub people the wrong way sometimes (laughs) yeah but but my checks cash most of the time yeah, amen. That's why they send you an invite. They they just say, you know what? If you don't show, who cares? He's going to send some cash. So, yeah. Um, I know there's some cheap mofos around here, though. Like, you know, we're having a food truck because um, uh, we're like they're from Hallock, so we're supporting local business right. uh, there. And and uh, we got a guy that sets up a tent and chairs and everything. Uh, but you got to go buy booze and whatnot. But there's some people that, like, they bring uh, themselves, their wife, and three kids and give, like, five bucks. And it's like, <laughs> five bucks doesn't even buy you a plate of fries, dude. Yeah, like, but you know? hey, you got to respect that, though. You got to. Yeah. Well, it's the same as weddings around here it's... in North Dakota, these cheap people. Like, seriously. Yeah. 
Yeah, they well in North Dakota relative to weddings, you don't get invited to the wedding, but everybody gets invited to the reception, right? I'd never seen that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, what are all these people doing here? Oh, they all get invited to the reception. Yeah, well, where were they when the church was going on? <laughs> They're no, nowhere to be seen. Oh, I'm not going to that. No, no, hell no. Yeah. Waste the time. Peculiar, peculiar things. The um. Yes. I mean, I, I, I want to ask you a question about injuries in professional sports these days. It seems like okay. there's there's a lot more, and and this is I don't have anything to statistically back this up. Oh, that's that's a great argument, really. Yeah, I know, but it seems to me that you have more substantial injuries, um, and athletes are more fit, more you know prepared nutritionally. I mean, I mean. I mean, their lives are like, um, it's crazy, you know, millionaire athletes. Yet it seems like you see more of them getting hurt. Um, do you, you have any thoughts on that? Well, a lot of things I think has to do with the fact that people are, are athletes in general, women or men, are getting so much bigger, so so much stronger. Uh, they're more flexible over a longer range of motion so they can get stronger. And the speed of the game is excelled uh, by far. You know, even linemen are, are uh, they might have a little bit of a belly on them, but they can still move and and uh, hit and all that kind of stuff. So I don't think there's been a huge uptick in injuries. I think uh, when you have star players that get injured and miss significant time, then it gets publicized a lot. So uh, that's what I would say, Mac, is just the whole speed and size of the of the athletes that are in that particular sport. That's what dictates it. Got it. Speed and size. <clears throat> yeah. Um, somebody sent me an email. Hey, the next time you have Greg on, I'd be curious about his thoughts on the Rangers and the Capitals a uh, little tiff a week ago. Um, what? Yeah, I, I, like, I don't know why people got their panties in a bunch because the guys want to solve it on the ice, and you don't know what's being said there. Plus, you got the heightened situation with uh, T.J. Oshie's dad passing away, and and everything else. So, and you're fighting for the Stanley Cup, which not every team gets the opportunity to do. So, um, Washington, Boston, they've been a heated rivalry for a long time. And now they come to the playoffs where if you don't win, you're going home golfing. And that's a, that's a great motivation. But so this starts what the week or a couple weeks before on a hit. Yeah. And yeah. they just decide. And so settling things on the ice is like the old fashioned way to do this. We're going to, we're going to, yeah, oh yeah. right. We're going to do this and then we're, then it'll be over and then we're going to play, but we all know what's going on. Right. Sure. And so yeah. it, can you explain to everybody how this starts? So the visiting team puts its lineup out there and I'm the head coach of the visiting team. And I write Lotus, Right, I put all my tough guys 
and then the home team sees it yeah. and go, okay. There's no, there's no hiding it. It's not a like I'm going to give you a sneak attack. It's like here's my dudes. If you decide to match it, then I know like you match my third line with your third or fourth line, and there might be, you know, there might be a lineup where it's the same for ten games in a row. But once you see the visiting lineup, you might change a winger. You might change someone to match those guys. And as soon as the puck drops, this is how we're going to start the game. A couple of guys are going to go on a tilt or one guy is going to go on a tilt, uh, whether he has to answer the bell for a cheap hit the, the game before, a week before, a month before. It doesn't matter. And I know a lot of people, they're proponents of, of eliminating fighting in hockey, but generally the players do a good job of policing themselves and even off the face-off when refs try to get in the way if guys want to go they're going to squirm away and they're going to go and you really as a referee which usually are much smaller than these guys don't want to get in the way of a haymaker um so they generally they generally uh let, let them just you know get another system and and throw the guys in the box and whatnot and and uh, it's a done deal. So, I mean, to me, it's no harm, no foul. Um, and it's it's been part of the game for forever. And I, I don't I don't see it going, uh, you know, away, Mac. How do guys settle scores in football? I mean, because every team does this in baseball. You know, I, I've been an advocate for years of baseball. Like, don't throw guys out if they fight. And if you want to really end the fight, end the throwing at people and stuff. Um, you know, when you're mad at somebody, you know, let them fight. I mean, it's great entertainment. Yeah. It's great entertainment. And then let them stay in the game and play. And that, that well, this stuff tends to go away. And you won't see the stupidity of throwing a baseball up around somebody's head. Yeah. Just say, let's just if like, just like in hockey, when guys want to go, they'll go off the draw. You know, somebody goes onto the ice and then somebody, a late switch, right before, you know, before yeah. the drop of the puck says, hey, and they know. And you know, you see them get next to each other for the faceoff. You see them talking about it, the oh, puck sure. goes, and then they go. If it's they during, up, if it's yeah. during the shift, you'll see somebody come off the bench, skate right to the guy, and if the guy doesn't see him right, you'll see him tap him on the leg with his stick, like bang bang, and oh, they yeah. right, they yeah. turn, and they're like, "Let's go," and they know. And so, to me, in foot, so in football. How do you how do you you know those things get settled? How do you settle that stuff? It's very difficult in football. However, it doesn't usually happen on the next play after you see a cheap shot. It happens down the road. You get the guy's number, and it might be a blindside block, or a lot of times shit gets settled in the pile. Uh, where you might grab or bite or do something to a certain area uh, to let them know. But most of the time it's it's a hit um, that you, you know, you just remember the guy's number. But in baseball, there's so many unwritten rules, which I don't agree with. And I'm more of an old school guy. But take, for example, I'd be curious to see what you think the other day. When the the Twins were losing by, I don't know, 11 runs in the ninth, and they had a position player on the mound pitching 47 or 50 miles an hour, and one of the Tony LaRusso's guys uh, on a 3-0 pitch took a yard ski, 
Um, and LaRusso was pissed and, uh, the rest of the guys were pissed and everything else. But I, I find the irony there so, so brutal because you're basically giving up by putting a position pitcher or position player into pitch. And then, you know, guys get paid in Major League Baseball for home runs, runs batted in, all slugging percentage, all that shit. And you got a guy pitching a rainbow, and you're mad because he takes the ball out of the field. Like I, I don't understand that kind of stuff, Mac. If you, well, it was, it was, like, it was the count was three and zero, right? Yeah. And so the count was three and zero. The game's out of reach, and in the in the old school, you don't go out of your way to embarrass anybody. Okay, but I will tell you this: um, that's not the way they play the game in Latin America. They no. don't. They don't play by you know the Marcus Queenberry's rules. That's kind of an old school. And the other thing is, once you put a position player in, you know, if you strike out against that guy, you're on Sports Center. So it's kind of like a oh. it's kind of like a slow pitch softball game, and everybody's Double laughing. Yeah, everybody's yeah. laughing, and then all of a sudden, it's going to get serious. Now I know from being the house that I was raised in, there was the Marcus Queensberry rules, and you're not supposed to show somebody up when they put that guy in. If you if it's a three zero pitch, you stand there with your bat on your shoulder. The game's out of reach, and you're not going to embarrass your walk. Yeah, and yeah. you and you take your walk. So I understand that. Here's what I don't understand: I don't understand Tony Larusa taking a position against his own player. Yeah, I don't because that's going to come back to haunt him, and it well, shows publicly. me right yeah, publicly well, takes a position critical of his own player. What he should have said is, you know what. Um, game's different now. We'll handle that in house. Yeah, game's different now. You know, it is what it is. And then I could see him going to that player and say, "Hey, look, next time, you know, take that pitch, yeah. right? Because you're it has a chance to." But I don't. I don't really. Uh, the thing I didn't understand most about it was um, him being critical of his own player in public. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's not going to turn not out good. Not good. Turn, yeah. and he, it's not going to turn out well real, for him. And he's an old school guy. Right. Literally old, old, old school guy. I met Tony yeah. LaRusa. He played for my dad in double A Birmingham, Alabama. And oh, jeez. Yeah. He, he had Siamese cats. I was like eight. And he had to, <laughs> we used to go over and play with his cats. And, uh, and so uh, he heard his what knee. A link, what a link. What a link to Tony Russo <laughs> that you played with his cats. It's time he's cats. And uh, he's still a big PETA guy, too. And uh, But, uh, yeah, that was to me, you know, when you throw one of your players under the bus in public. And I, I go back to my dad. Um, you know, Roger Clemens lied about, you know, you know, I, I I didn't I didn't ask to come out of the game, you know, game six in the 1986 World Series. That's a lie. I'll tell you that for a fact. But the interesting part about it was Roger Clemens wouldn't say that in public, and my dad never didn't do it for I don't know 30 years because he sure. his instinct is that's not the way you do it. You don't throw your players under the bus, right? No. You don't throw your players under the bus, and he finally did. You know, in a you know, Tim McCarver called him and say, is, "Is this true?" My dad said, "No, it's not true. Are you kidding me?" Yeah, but that's the way you do it in public, and and those are those are those rules. But there's so many unwritten rules in sports that you know, as the average fan watches, 
they really can't get a grasp on exactly what's going on unless you've been there, you've been in the mix for so many years and understand or have followed someone like you with your dad and stuff. So it's it's difficult. And then well, you but you know, Greg, I, I, and I'll ask you this. My dad used to say, you know, you get, everybody's sitting in the stands, right? You guys yeah. don't know what's going on. When you're on the field, you know. You know who hates who. You know who oh, has sure. a history. You know who the assholes are. And we know if a pitch gets away from somebody or if somebody's headhunting somebody. And Well, like the, like the guy in the Mets the other day getting hit by a 95-mile-hour fastball. But as soon as the guy released it, he went down in a crouch like he was mortified. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And he, you could tell it was bases loaded, two outs, and it was one run game. He didn't want to hit him. Right. No. And, you know, I thought it was great the next day the guy comes with the lineup and the pitcher meets him out there and they kind of hug or whatever. I mean, that that's sportsmanship. Right. Right. And again, so and my that's my dad's point is that like, hey, look, and, and his, his point was like, hey, we know. OK, we know down on that field. OK, so when you see us not react, we know people are going to get hit. But we know who throws it who, and we know the situations that yeah. we throw it to. He said, let me tell you what you want to – he said, when you see everybody in the dugout and everybody up on the rail and guys throwing, uh, and people, that's when you know there's bad blood between two teams. Something's up. Something's up, right? Yeah. Right? How, how does that stuff manifest itself in football just after the play? Does it manifest itself yeah, I mean, with two teams they're, that they're, hate each other? Yeah, and and well, it could be rubbing it in score wise, right. um, and and not stopping. But you know, generally, because you have helmets on and fighting and football, the whole shit. If you even throw a punch, you're gone. Right. Um, so I think out of all the sports, Mac, uh, you ask how does it manifest? I think football does the best job of putting a quality, you know teams on the field that even if they hate each other, the rivalry, the score is the most important thing. However, there's always ways of getting back at someone. It might be a lower hit. It might be a cut block uh, that happens a quarter later, 10 plays later, two quarters later, uh, where they have to answer the bell in their own little way. What is, what is, what is, like the, is the greatest crime because uh, we're both we both love hockey right uh and yeah. let me tell you that's why i think hockey is such a great sport for boys because it teaches you to stick up for your teammates physically yep. stick up for your teammates which yep. not too many sports do and uh, in a culture that that says oh no 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 don't be aggressive don't to me boys need uh, to no. learn that right and so right. so how does what are the great athletic sins in football? Is it getting near somebody's knee? Is it having a reputation, you know, for for being that guy who who hunts knees or isn't afraid to go there? What, well, that and and uh, hitting a defenseless receiver or a blindside hit, like I I remember Warren Sapp, where you got a there's a you know he's a defensive lineman, but. Um, they're playing the Packers, and Favre throws a pick. And the offensive linemen, you know, they're looking at the guy that caught the ball, 
and not necessarily, even though they're taught to have their head on a swivel, looking at anything else. And those guys are on an angle to try to go make a tackle. And then right on the basically the crook of your neck, on the near side shoulder, you got a guy that's coming in, you know, from the ribs up to blindside that guy. And you're talking, the first thing that hits the ground is the back of your shoulders because your legs are in the air. I mean, that is the ultimate, the ultimate fucking asshole move. Right. Right. Right there. Right. That's the ultimate one. Now, and is that going to, is that going to get you retaliated against? Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. Not only that, but a fine too, you know, monetarily. Uh, but you know, and that, that one of those offenses might, not just carry on depends on what time of the game it is if it's first quarter you might see guys go after that guy repeatedly the whole game but if it's late in the game it might go on for another game or two if they ever see them again down the road especially in conference because you play each other twice Right. right you know so but but football is a lot cleaner game as far as uh, you're talking about retaliation that there is because of the fact that there's such strict rules for fighting. Look at hockey, look at baseball. Even if you toss them in baseball, a guy charges the mound or whatever, uh, you know, it's up to the commissioner. But a game or two suspension. But you're in football, you know, you throw bombs like that and it's in the third quarter, you're automatically suspended for the next game. And there's only 16 games of football where there's 162 in baseball. Right. So, I mean, it's a little different. It's not on equal footing. Got it. Got it. The, um, what do you think has been the most impactful rule change to, that, that, that has made football safer? I mean, I see plays where guys go across the middle now as receivers. And, you know, back in the day, they would have been, I mean – I mean, if they catch the ball, I mean, headshots were not, um, were not, uh, yeah, the whole, you know, defenseless receiver thing is, has really yeah. changed. But what, what do you see is, uh, is give me like two or three of the most, um, significant, I, I think the number significant one. rule changes that have made the game safer and better in your opinion. I think the number one rule is, um, the elimination or yeah, I, 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 it would be a tie um, between the elimination of the wedge on kickoff return. Now, before you used to have offensive linemen and defensive linemen, when the ball was kicked off, they would gather in like a V formation, very similar to geese, and then you know to give the guy that caught the ball room to start. Um, they eliminated that and that got rid of a lot of concussions because guys would be flying down full speed and just launch themselves into the wedge. So you'd have a guy that was 190, 200 pounds versus 300 pounds, but the guy at 190 was going 100 miles an hour. So that made a lot safer. The other one is on the kickoff, you're no longer allowed to have a huge running start. It's only five yards. Before, yeah. these guys could, you know, time it where they'd line up on the goal line and the guy would drop his hand to signify that he was going to start his approach to the ball. And they would get, by the time the guy hit the ball, they'd be going full speed. 
full speed so they wouldn't have to catch up uh, as opposed to now and get going so the speed changed and that that eliminated a lot of injuries um, the other one I could think of is the whole quarterback rule where you you can't go to the to the knees and even though as an old school football guy I like you know the sacks and everything else and guys stretching out to get that last little bit but you got to tackle above the knee um, and you really have only between like the top of the chest to, you know, the crotch area to hit a quarterback because everybody knows that the NFL is a quarterback driven league. If you have a quarterback, you have a chance. If you don't, you suck. And so, you know, having those big fellas hit those quarterbacks. Well, let's talk about there that. Was a lot- Let's talk about that because it, to me what's really interesting is the evolution of sports as a business, right? The revenue oh, yeah. from, from sports right, is derived from viewership, right? In order to have viewers, we need Tom Brady on the field. We don't need you him need out. You need good product. Right? We need, we need these guys. But, you know, football in years past, the game was the game. And whatever happened, happened. Well, it's interesting. All of a sudden the business interest trumps – um, the game in terms of there's certain pieces in the game that we have to protect because that really, really drives our revenue stream. And we look at when Tom Brady is going to face off against Drew Brees. We look at viewership, right? And it's, and it's off the hook. So we've got to protect this. So it's really interesting in terms of the evolution of business and then how that's impacted rules. Oh, without a doubt. But, but the bottom line is, is that it is a quarterback-driven league, and right. and that that's why you have to continue to protect those guys, but still have the natural game take place. And so, when you have those rules about the knees and whatnot, then it helps them stay upright. It helps them not get nicked up, uh, because everyone knows that if you don't have your starting quarterback. Uh, look at Vegas, how the odds change, how yeah, yeah. how different the, the game is and everything else. Like, it makes a world of difference. And and so people don't want to, you know, they got season tickets or they get to go to one game. And let's say, like, I think the Raiders this year are going to have, like, every single fan that uh, wants to go to an away game. They, they usually plan, like, a bunch of guys to get together and they say, hey, where are we going this year? Well, shit, everyone's going to want to go to Vegas because right. it's a brand-new state-of-the-art facility. You know, they got a, a club in the end zone during the game and stuff like that. Well, if you're going there and the Raiders are playing uh, Kansas City and Mahomes isn't playing, like, guys want to see the number one product. So right. Right. with those rules and the protection that it helps to bring out, then you have a quality product. Everyone, everyone's happy. Not only the guys that bought tickets for that particular game, but also the the guys that purchase Red Zone or out of market games and everything else. It's just a money fest. Right, 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 right. And, you know? the, and, the, and the NFL NFL participating in all that. No, it's just it's the way they 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 expand. You know the product, and now you know the other the most recent you know, great revenue stream is, um, is, is, is sports betting. 
and and the leagues the leagues looking at that as a revenue stream and how they get a little bit more of that and uh, which is big 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 money which translates into bigger player salaries more profit for owners all the rest of that stuff so well, higher higher salary cap but also um the actual they're moving towards streaming in 2000 i believe it's starting in 2022 the only way you're going to be able to watch the Thursday night football game is on Amazon Prime. How crazy is that? Yeah, and so, you know, Amazon ponies up a lot of dough for uh, the rights to that. But think about how many guys are like, I'm not missing a Thursday night game. I'll pay the nine bucks or whatever to get Amazon Prime for a few months. It, it's it, and that's the way it's turning, Mac. You know, and yeah. I don't know about you, but I watch Red Zone religiously on on um, on Sundays. I mean, the whole afternoon because they flash to every scoring opportunity or every big play, except for the Sunday night game, which is on ESPN or wherever the hell it is. And I watch that separately. But um, you know, Red Zone costs extra money. You know, and without those quality players on the field, it's just not the same. Right. Right. What'd you think of my Niners getting your boy Trey Lance? I thought it was fantastic. Uh, the kid is a big kid. Uh, he's got a bullet for an arm. I think he likes to take off a little early because he's so special with his legs. However, he couldn't have went to a better team as far as uh, offensive mind is concerned with Shanahan. Um, and I can't wait to see what he does. I have a hard time believing he's not going to be starting some games this this coming uh, year. Um, but even if he has to sit under Garoppolo, which Garoppolo had to sit after Brady or this and that, uh, I think them mortgaging the future uh, for – him was a great a great plan and I, I hope I mean he's got a lot of weapons there with Kittle and and the receiver Goodwin and stuff like that. They're gonna they're gonna have a solid team. Wow. Yeah, no, I know you've seen him play a bunch and uh and uh interesting, interesting stuff. Um what else going on? Anything exciting uh going on in your life? Anything uh what's latest? So you are you fishing? Uh, no, I haven't been because it's all consuming with this graduation party. Like oh, when I get off the phone, I'm blowing up balloons for this weekend. <laughs> oh yeah, and putting waters and pops and coolers to get ready for ice on uh, Saturday and stuff. So that's uh, that's what I've been doing. Balloons. Oh yeah, I'm a balloon master. Well, I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start the compressor and do it that way. You know what? You're a smart man. You're a smart balloon. Exactly. Guy. All right, yeah. Gilo. First of all, I appreciate the visit, man. I was and and you know what? I, I as you know, I mean, I love sports. I love talking these kind of things with you. Sure. It's always interesting. Always interesting. Thank you. All right, we'll talk soon. All right, bud. Take care. You bet. See you. The one and only Greg Lotus, right here on All Marine Radio. That'll do it on a Friday. Week started in Hawaii, ends in uh, San Clemente. Nice. So, uh, should be a fun day today. Get a chance to go uh, hang out with my cousin, right? See my nephew. 
and uh, do some fun family stuff. So be good stuff. Anyway, hope you have a good weekend. I'm Mike McNamara. This is All Marine Radio on the All Warrior Radio Network. If I can, if I can help you, help somebody else. Um, as you know, don't hesitate. Don't hesitate. So, on that note, have a great weekend. Do something good for somebody. Don't be afraid to change a life. And uh, watch what happens to yours. So, ultimately, that call to action is a call to help yourself. Yeah. To give greater meaning to your own life, which is a pretty cool thing. Which is a pretty cool gift to give to yourself. Yeah, how about that? There you go. All right, on that note, have a great one. I am out.